This is No Man's Land, Episode 1. Welcome to the first episode of No Man's Land. My name's Scott. I'm here with Jesse. How you been, man? Good. Not too bad. I took a, I had a month long work, uh, like temporary work slot open up for Hawaii. And so I, I volunteered my services. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's basically what I'm doing. You know, they've, uh, yeah. they've set up a little rotation for us over there. So I'll just, uh, that's awesome. Go lay on the beach. It's pretty nice. Oh man. Yeah. It's always good weather that, well, depends on which part of Hawaii you're on, but it, it's usually pretty good weather on the, on Oahu for the most part. Yeah. Nice. I forget which Island I'll be on. I don't know. I'm probably still kind of planning. Probably Oahu. Unless it's yeah. like a, uh, kind of in the boondocks. Cause most of the other islands are pretty unpopulated. Yeah. Although a couple of them have some touristy areas. I think, uh, uh, Maui has quite a few tour like resorts and tourist areas. Um, Kauai might have a little bit, but yeah, Oahu's the, the, you know, that's where Honolulu is and most of the people live. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, it was, it was good, man. Um, I, uh, I did about a week of work and, uh, the rest of the time was, Christmas break, or I had like a, a week off for Christmas. And then, uh, the other two weeks were quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So one week of work and three weeks of, uh, just being in Hawaii. It's kind of funny too. Cause I didn't really like, I kind of got out of quarantine because Hawaii's rules were basically, you could test out of it. So I tested out of it. But the army's rule is that I couldn't go to work mm. for for two weeks. So I'm like, well, I mean, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine by me. Yeah. <laughs> Hawaii doesn't Hawaii doesn't care. Just the army, apparently. So uh, I made the most of it. My my family actually uh, lives in Hawaii now. So mm. it was like a a double whammy. Well, that's pretty cool. I didn't realize your family lived there. Yeah, they moved there pretty recently. So it was. It was like the, the stars aligned and I was able to have a paid trip back home for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. Oh man. So, uh, I'm just, I've been, uh, following some of the GameStop stuff. It's, it's, did you see it? It's shot up again. <laughs> really? No, I didn't. I, I, I mean, I, I read about it when it was happening, you know, maybe a, First a time. month or so ago. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen that it went up again. <laughs> Yeah, it's trading it it went up to a max of like 350. It's trading it in like the low 200s right now. Holy crap, man, that's insane. Yeah, and apparently all that's the shorts so haven't covered yet. So like this is still wow. Still an ongoing thing, you know? That's incredible. It's actually pretty rare. I mean, granted I'm obviously I'm not I'm not an expert by any means, uh but from what I know um, a lot of times the short squeeze is, you know, they don't last, they don't usually have enough steam to last for very long. Yeah, I know. This so has been an ongoing thing for like a month or more. Yeah, maybe it's, it's pretty impressive. Almost, it's, it seems pretty rare for something to be able to drag out this long. I guess yeah. you could call it a second squeeze, so to speak, but maybe it um, is. I think the shorts kind of doubled down and then all the uh, congressional testimony drove new interest. Huh? It's crazy. So. You know, <sighs> I mean, you know, fool me once, shame on, shame on me, but, or shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of <laughs> what's going on here. It seems like, I mean, if, if I were a hedge fund and I saw what, what happened to, to a couple of them, I, I would not touch that with a 10 foot pole. Yeah. I don't think I'd be touching that stock at all. Yeah. Um, you know, well, maybe they thought, maybe they thought, you know, all right, it's over. These guys are done, you know? I mean, I still think in the long run, the company is not worth all that much. Oh, you know? no. I mean, no, it's, it's... going to die, right? I mean, everybody just buys all their stuff on the internet and nobody goes to GameStop anymore. 
Yeah, I think that I think that what people failed to realize is that GameStop was it it ceased the stock kind of ceased to be about the business. Oh yeah. And it, and it was totally more about um the people investing in the business and 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 kind of their stake in the market as a whole. I think at yeah, least, it has, you know, it's not, it has nothing to do with market fundamentals. Like it's not about right. what the company is actually worth or what they're, although, you know, the guy who started the whole thing, that Keith Gill guy, um, is he the one who invested like 70 something million dollars into it? He, or, so he bought, he made like 30 or $40 million off of it, but he okay, bought, okay. he bought like $50,000 worth or something and turned that right. initial investment into like, I don't know. I forget. You know, it's Hopefully, gone up and down uh, some, obviously, and he's taken some profits. So I think he's made about twenty million out of it, from what I. Okay, I was, was going to say, I hope he realized some of his gains there. He did. It, he, I, I think he's still pretty heavily in. Yeah. But I think he took like twenty million in profit, fifteen or twenty million wow. or something. So. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so the guy, yeah, I mean, the guy made out like a bandit, but uh, you know, he's the one who testified before Congress and. Um, right. You know, and he was, his whole testimony was that, uh, you know, he, um, he, he likes the stock for its fundamentals. It's not even really about the short squeeze for him. Huh. He thought it was an undervalued company when he bought, um, which right. and he bought it when it was trading at like $3 or something. Yeah. Yeah. I could barely see it being undervalued at $3. Well, he had, I mean, he's but, posted on Reddit. He posted a bunch of his, uh, you know, analysis of why he yeah. thought of it. And it was his whole, um, you know, he thinks the company's going to pivot into like being an e-commerce kind of company. Um, okay. Cause the, the guy who did that, um, you know, Chewy.com, it's like a e-commerce thing for like dog toys and stuff. Yeah. I, that's the guy I was talking about. He put like yeah. 70 million dollars into GameStop and then to get some seats on the board. Yeah. So that guy's name is Ryan Cohen and he, okay. so the guy, the guy, the Reddit hero is Keith Gill, who is just a every man, you know, an every man, like a investor who yeah. put just some, some money that he's not like a, you know, I think the guy had worked for an investment bank or something before, but he, you know, he was not an institutional, you know, right. super wealthy, like, you know, trying to do a corporate takeover. I mean, he was just some guy who right, put some money right. into it and right. posted his, uh, his rationale. And a big part of his rationale was this Ryan Cohen guy who, uh, who took over some of the board seats by making this big investment. And, and uh, right. everybody thinks I he's going to, going to pivot this thing into an e-commerce company. Okay. So yeah, I, I read about him kind of talking about how he he felt like there was just a lot of potential for the company that they weren't capitalizing on. And so he thought, you know, if he got a couple board seats, he would be able to steer them in the right direction. So which, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if that happens or not. Yeah, yeah. You know, he you would they would have to basically be the new steam. I think in order for them to be valued at what their stock is currently trading at, you know, they got a yeah. lot of, uh, a lot of work yeah. ahead of them. Although, you know, and I don't know how feasible it is to do something like this, but personally I could almost see the value in game rentals, digital, like digital rentals in a way. I don't yeah. know. It might be a terrible idea, but if you think about it, you know, I mean, it just, you know, personally, at least, um, most of the stuff in my steam library, you know, after I'm done with it, I, you know, I don't really go back to it. It pretty much just sits there, you know, uninstalled for the rest of, of, of for the rest of time. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if, you know, if somebody were able to leverage something like that and maybe, you know, um, lock yeah. the software with a code that lasts for a certain amount of time or whatever, you know, you rent a game for, you know, as soon as you uh, launch the software, you know, it lasts for maybe a week or two weeks or whatever, you know, whatever you pay for. And then, you know, it gives you time to play through the game. I don't know. It, it might, it might be a bad idea, but, but I can kind of see something like, I, it's just, I don't know if you're going to be able to compete with steam unless you find some kind of niche that makes you, that sets you apart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, we'll have to I, see. I, uh, and, and I, I think, yeah, I mean, steam is really king of the, uh, the PC, uh, gaming, you know, world, it seems like, mm -hmm. um, and there's a couple little one-off 
like I guess Blizzard has their own platform and they still do pretty well, but it seems like Steam really has cornered like every PC gamer downloads a bunch of stuff on Steam. That's where everybody gets their right. games, you know. Um, I, I there's there might be some kind of market for like the console version of that. Um, mm-hmm. Something that could you you know, so right now everybody's just buying it from the Xbox Store, or the PlayStation Store, or like whatever the console connects to. Yeah, you know, I don't know if there'd be a. It'd be tough a, to get around that, you know, with the software locks that uh, that yeah. Microsoft and Sony seem to be using, but. Or if they could develop their own console that's basically a PC that you plug into your television. You know, I mean, yeah. something that, Steam you know, actually has... tried that kind of. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't go so well. But granted, it was more of a streaming box than a, an actual console, I think. So, yeah. I yeah, mean, I could, I think I could the, see that working out, maybe. They just need, it would be nice if you had like PlayStation type hardware, but with an operating system that lets you download whatever the hell you want. Um, you know, right now the problem is you got all these exclusives and you got to pick between an Xbox and a PlayStation and a, you know, whatever. Um, I think, you know. I think one of the interesting things economically about the new consoles actually, um, and this is a subject I have a little bit more knowledge about, not specifically consoles, but just, you know, computers and technology in general. Um, but the new consoles are actually at MSRP. They're being sold like pretty well below what they're actually worth, which is kind of weird. Um, but for example, if I were to, uh, purchase a PC or even build myself a PC, right. That had identical specs to, uh, let's just say, you know, um, an Xbox Series X. Yeah. Uh, it, it would cost probably two to two fit $250 more than the Xbox Series X costs. And part of that, obviously, you can sort of pin on the fact that you can mass produce consoles in a way that you 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 aren't. I mean, I'm not going to mass produce PCs if I'm building them. You know, it's going to be like I build one yeah. for myself. But it doesn't explain all of it because most of the parts you get in a PC, I mean, really all the parts you get in a PC when you, when you build one, they're all mass produced individually. Right. So, I mean, all, you know, the, the memory, the, the motherboard, the graphics card, the processor, all that stuff is already mass produced. Right. Um, when you buy it as a consumer. So it's, you're not going to get like the bulk discount that you could probably do if you were Sony or, or Microsoft doing, doing consoles, but it doesn't explain the kind of, uh disparity that you see in the price between a console and a similar uh a pc with similar specs and it actually um believe it or not it comes down to software and the games is actually the reason that they're doing that is because it, it becomes an economy of scale i which i think i'm using correctly in this case uh <laughs> basically the more consoles that you can get in the hands of gamers the more, the more essentially live time, I guess for Xbox, Xbox Live, the more online time they're going to pay for and the more games they're going to buy. And because Sony and Microsoft have, you know, so many licensed games that are specifically, you know. Just for their platform. Yeah, yeah. right. Just for their platform that they're going to actually make back more money in the long run by selling their consoles at a loss which is kind of crazy but they realize if they mark up their consoles to what they're actually worth you know the difference in the amount of people that are going to be able to afford them is so great that they're actually going to lose money uh in the long run on games and and uh uh lifetime which is kind of interesting because i didn't really foresee that happening i i anticipated that they would sell for higher than the last generation which I guess technically they are like a little bit higher, but like an Xbox, at, uh, I guess an Xbox one was pretty close to what it was worth in terms of the hardware. 
when it you know, I've when they released that sell it for when it came out i mean it, when now we gotta you know adjust for uh, inflation and like this is like 10 uh, years yeah, ago now, it's right too much <laughs> i think it was about <laughs> seven years ago or so maybe generally yeah. they do it in around every seven years they release i think it's five to seven years they release a yeah new console. yeah yeah and I, I remember it but, being like what like three four hundred four hundred something like that yeah i think the first launch was 400 and then they dropped the price for the original and then they came out with the xbox one s the, was, can we, the other thing too man xbox's yeah. naming convention is just it's terrible it really i, I was talking about this out. <laughs> i was yeah, telling was, a friend about this the other day i was like you know i, I got confused because i'm like wait what did they call the the new xbox and he's like well it's the series x i'm like but the last one was the xbox one x so like yeah i, I have no idea so so <laughs> we had the xbox then the yep. xbox 360 i think was the next one and then, uh, I then the Xbox it, yeah. One. Right. Yeah. I think the 360 was the second one they came out with. Yeah. Yeah. Then the Xbox One. And somehow yep. that is the sequel to the 360. Right. And then the Xbox One S. Yeah. I think. And yep, then we was, had that's... some Scorpio thing in there too that was like a, a, sort of some special runoff. I don't really yeah. know much about it. The, so, yeah. I mean, and the S didn't really. Uh, I, I, if I remember correctly, I don't think the S actually had different hardware. I think, I think it was just the, smaller. Yeah. I think the biggest thing with the S was that it, uh, it could push 4k, but so, badly. Right. So like you could play movies essentially in 4k, which I don't right. think you could okay. do on the original one. And, and I think it could push games in 4k, but obviously the, you know, the, the hardware processing. wasn't yeah. that good. Yeah. Right. So well, then, then the X actually had a hardware upgrade where it could it could actually play games at 4K at about 30 uh, frames per second, I think. So that was called the Xbox One X. That yep. one. And then that was the last one. They, I think, the last one that they. And what's had, the new one called? The Series S and the Series X, I think. Oh Jesus! I think. You know, let me look it up right now because I. <laughs> yeah, I think. I... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm pretty they, sure there's a series is. S and a series X. Yeah, you're right. And it's basically the same. The same. It's just it's funny the same fucking like, name. I, how are you supposed to tell? There's going to be a whole bunch of grandmas buying their their grandchildren like the wrong fucking Xbox because the they're all one, named yeah. the same thing. <laughs> they're well, all not, named not the same mention, thing. Not to mention you're not going to find a series X unless you're willing to pay like twice what it's worth, you know? Yeah, same the, with the PlayStation the 4 and then same yeah. with these new Nvidia graphics cards that are like, you know, selling for 500 oh, and then you have to go pay like $1500 for them. It's disgusting, honestly. I I and I've actually been suffering from that cuz I uh I mean, I don't want to get too into the weeds here cuz it's not that interesting of a story, but I <laughs> thought I was going to be permanently moving back to the states or at least, you know, for the foreseeable for future. long run, yeah. And so I had uh, actually had uh, two. Uh, well, I had a laptop, but I had two 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 desktop computers. Um, one of them was a server, and the other one was uh, was my main computer. Mm -hmm. And I in there, you know, one of them, my main computers, it, it had hard hard tube uh, water cooling. And then nice. the uh, the server was, I think it weighed like 160 pounds. I mean, it was just oh, Jesus. absolutely massive. It was like a custom server that I made just just for fun. Uh, it was kind of kind of more of a science project than anything else. But um, I had a 1080 Ti in the server, and I had two 2080 Ti's in my in my uh, personal rig, and uh, in my mind, I was thinking, you know, I, I mean, great. I, I, there's no reason to upgrade with that hardware. Cause I, I would have been completely fine, you know, for the next four, probably four or five years with what I had. I, I yeah. mean, it was, it was plenty strong. Um, and I, I, I like the computers, but knowing that I was going to be moving and knowing that the army was going to hire a moving service to move my stuff, uh, it felt like a wise choice to get a good price on it by selling it early. Right. So that I didn't have to like, cause if you sell stuff last minute, you're, you're kind of, 
you, you, you know, you basically have to take what you can get. Yeah. But, so I, you know, I tried to sell them months and months in advance from when I was leaving. Cause I wanted to make sure I got a good price for them. So long story short, which is already, I guess, kind of long. I, I, sold, <laughs> I, I sold both of them uh, for pretty good prices, but I got rid of them. And then I, you know, I have my, la I had my laptop and um, that's when I found out that I was coming back to Okinawa after, and my cat's screaming in the background. Uh, I hear that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so that's when I found out I was coming back. And so at that point, I already sold my stuff, you know, <laughs> so oh, Jesus. Like, oh, boy. Well, yeah, you got screwed. <laughs> yeah, I did. It, I did. And, and I, you know, and I it's funny, too, because I because I was being proactive, I actually sold it before the release of the stuff that's being scalped right now. Yeah. So when I sold it, it was just regular market and I got a good regular market price. But the sad part is. If I had waited, even even if I had waited to sell it, right, until like now, for example, I would have made twice what I made on my rig because yeah. even the older generation stuff is now worth ridiculous amounts of money. I mean, I saw people selling a 1080 Ti for $1,000 on eBay. And, and it actually, I mean, they're selling for that much. $1,000, <laughs> that's two generations old. I mean, the even when they were released, I, I'm pretty sure the MSRP for those was $500. I don't, I don't, is what's, what's going on here, man? How, why are the old cards so expensive it's, now? It's, it's because the new cards are unavailable is, is one of the biggest reasons. And the other big thing is, is cryptocurrencies are driving people crazy again. Um, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that is, is the what's publicity. Bitcoin hit uh, 60,000 pretty recently, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so a lot of that is driving it because um, people are purchasing. So the scalping is kind of twofold. So on the one hand, there's actual scalp, like scalping bots that, mm. that they tried to get rid of, but they basically just swept the market right off the bat at launch and just bought up pretty much all of the starting stock of cards, like just right mm. off the bat. And then what happened is the scalping bots were either like small businesses or um, individuals, right? Who then fully like their full intention the whole time was just to purchase all of the stock and turn it around when people couldn't get their hands on anything. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they would, they would turn around and sell them for, you know, 200% MSRP. And this, the thing is that, people, for example, that are in my position and I sold my computers and I'm sitting here without a computer, knowing that I'm going to be living in this same place for the next four years. Right. I'm, I'm like, I'm going to build a computer, you know? So people like me who are in this position, uh, you're playing games with your patients. You know, it's like, how long are you willing to wait and see if the storm subsides? And for me, I, I actually managed to get a, a card roughly at MSRP from a Japanese company here. But I, you know, I did get, I, I didn't get scalped, but what I did have to pay is a lot of, is a lot of sales tax and import tax, unfortunately, but it's better than getting scalped 200% on eBay. Yeah, but, got it. But got um, it. but most people can't do that, you know. Even in, especially in the states and Europe, I mean, your best bet is basically just checking eBay, uh, not eBay. Excuse me, Best Buy or, um, uh, you know, EVGA or ASUS or something. You know, check their websites, sign up for their notifications. I mean, that's that's really your only shot. And, I mean. <sighs> they're going to only release, you know, probably 10, 20 cards at a time online. And when that happens, they're going to go within five, 10 seconds of being dropped. So your, your chances of getting a hold of one from an actual retailer is so astronomically low right now, just because they're all, you know, the manufacturing has slowed down. Uh, and the, the stock has just been completely bought up by, 
scalpers who are then reselling them above MSRP to miners, right? And that's the other part of this that's a problem because if you're setting up a cryptocurrency mine, right? You you need like a pretty significant amount of graphics cards if if you're actually trying to be if you're trying to be pretty serious about mining. I mean, if you're if you're just setting up a small rig for your house, that's fine. But a lot of people um, are buying connexes or like uh, shipping containers, right? And installing air conditioning units in them, and then literally filling racks inside the entire thing with graphics cards. And hmm. these units, you know, these units will cost four or $500,000 for how many graphics cards they're putting in there. So, I mean, you can imagine, right, if you're going to invest in crypto mining and you're going to be fronting that kind of cash, getting scalped a little bit doesn't really matter that much because the whole point is that you're going to be making that back every month with, with everything that you're mining. Yeah, I, I guess I so, thought mining was not that lucrative anymore. Now that you know, not compared get, to what it to what it was when I had a chance at it. Actually, it's funny because I actually owned Bitcoin um, back. Oh in, man, yeah, I, yeah, it hurts a little bit to, <laughs> to see this. Did but, you own enough to make an impact on your life? Had you held it? Uh, I let's just say I owned multiple bitcoins. Okay, so hundreds so, of thousands of dollars here now. So if I if I still had it, yeah, yeah. yeah but I mean, it you know, everybody. <laughs> There's no way of knowing that back then. You know, I mean, it's it it was novel. It was interesting. I liked the idea of um, of blockchain. You know, and just 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 the the separation of the currency from the influence of like you know political groups and governments and stuff like that uh, mm -hmm. appeals to me and it still does. That's, but, that, that's the primary draw for me is that it's, it's, you know, it's fiat currency. You might as well just call right. it a counterfeit currency. It's bullshit. It's based on right, nothing. Right. It's the good faith. Yeah, what is it? What is it? The uh, full faith and confidence of the government. Right. Which, yeah. Which is which, counts for nothing yeah. in, in my book. <laughs> less, you know? less than nothing. <laughs> it counts for less than nothing. I'm, I'm actually, not only do I not believe that, I think it's actually usually the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have zero faith whatsoever. You know, I, I was reading the other day too, man. They uh, they've printed the amount of money that they've like we we say printed. I guess I don't mean just like right. physical currency, but the amount of money that they've created into our mm -hmm. economy in the last year through the pandemic yeah. is 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 staggering. They've made twenty percent, about maybe even a little more, of all of the money in circulation, like both currency and digital, um, was created last year. That's insane. Which, you know, and, and they're telling us that inflation is like one or two percent a year. I mean, well, come, come on. So, yeah. And, and, you know, the Fed is going to, the Fed has been like, I mean, if you're, if you're using the analogy of, of like, you know, a rocket ship, like their engines are on full thrust. <laughs> they are, yeah. they are doing oh, yeah. everything they possibly can to prevent inflation from going off the charts. And that's going to work for a certain amount of time. But the problem is you can only do so much in the long run. Uh, and eventually, you know, it's it's not going to be enough. Well, and when and, that and happens, it's not going to be like a little bit, like it kind of slides a little bit. It's going to be a cascade of... Yeah, uh, it's not enough. It, it's going to be more than just economic crash. Yeah. It's going to be like societal crash. Like the whole, I mean... The amount I mean, we've of already, we've already walked off that cliff. I think. Pretty. I think so too. I I, I don't see how this uh, is <laughs> when recoverable. You're, when, you're, when you're looking at at Bill Mayer, that's his name, right? Bill Bill Maher. Maher, yeah. However you pronounce that. Bill I don't know Maher. the the left wing Mayer, you know pundit Maher. guy who's like yeah, kind of yeah. becoming more conservative. I, I sound like an idiot, but I don't watch him. I I mean, yeah, not I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I think yeah, Bill Maher. When he's criticizing, I saw a clip the other day, when he's he's criticizing the United States for being too woke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That's how you know we're, we're, uh, we're up that's shit creek without a power. That's a sign of the apocalypse right there, you know? Yeah, because this is the um, guy that's like, you know, he would, he, you know, he probably, 
uh, he probably did advocate for for Hugo Chavez to, <laughs> to be in office instead of President Trump. <laughs> yeah, if he could I don't, choose I, between the two. He definitely was not a Trump fan. I, I know that. Um, you know, and I remember him making document. I mean, he had a talk show for a long time. I never watched it really, but still, I think he still has has yeah, some. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, but it's. I mean, it's well, garbage. he's he's starting to be disowned by the left now too because he's he's uh, yeah uh, well, fighting against some of this woke thing. stuff. That's the hilarious thing, right? Is that you have this like kind of older generation of liberals who are being eaten by their by the the monsters they've created. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're oh, literally you know, being it's consumed. The, it's the funniest I mean, thing, man. Pierce Morgan. Um, Pierce Morgan got fired. Yeah. Yeah. Pierce Morgan. Like my mind literally exploded when I heard that. I'm like, wait a minute. Pierce Morgan got canceled for not being liberal enough. <laughs> like what, yeah. what, what universe are we in right now? Yeah. That Al, Al Franken, man. <laughs> Al Franken got, uh, got canceled for taking a, a photograph. <laughs> it's hilarious, but it's, it's scary. Yeah. And they're eating their own. Yeah. I mean, and you know, just on a human level, I, I feel bad because they don't, I mean, I can disagree with them all I want, but I still, I don't want people to lose their ability to exercise their rights. You know? Well, so, I mean, so, uh, I, I forget who, who put it this way. It might've been, might've been Dave Smith. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't remember who, who I, I'm going to apologize for not being able to attribute this quote correctly, but you know, <laughs> the quote is revolutionaries, uh, revolutionaries don't have friends. They have obstacles. You know, yeah. they, so they don't have friends. They have they have tools and they have obstacles. Right. And yeah, once yeah, that true. once that person is not useful anymore, they're out. You know, I mean, um, you've been. I mean, we've been seeing that. I mean, well, really, you could say throughout the entirety of human history. But if you wanted a more recent example that kind of aligns itself with these same ideologies, you just look at the Bolshevik Revolution. You know, and well, how quickly the people that started. <laughs> the revolution were then the bad guys in the revolution. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the way it is here too, you know? Um, yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we excuse all kinds of stuff until all of a sudden that person's not useful anymore. Um, yeah. you know, everything is me too until, you know, and, and Andrew Cuomo is the, is the prime example here, man. The guy mm. was touted as the uh, the COVID champion or whatever, um, and now it's coming out that uh, you know that he uh, hid all these COVID deaths, had this policy. I mean, we knew about that a year ago, anyway. Yeah. But so that's that's what surprised. Like that's I was about to say that, or I was about to interject because I, you know, who in the like who who the hell was singing his praise about his handling of COVID. Dude, he won a Grammy for it. Do you remember yeah, but that? My, but I'm, I do, but I'm just like throughout the entire thing, I never saw, like I never witnessed anything happen that he just like any decision of his or speech or anything that he did that was positive. No, his state performed worse than Florida, which has the second oldest population in the country and was open the whole time. Right. You know, well, I mean, so I, I, I've seen hard, I'm, you know, and, and people can say what they want, right? And and it is true that uh, for a certain point of, of this whole thing, at a certain point of this whole thing, you know, there, there was a lot of uncertainty. Um, science takes time, you know, whether it's oh, yeah. medical I mean, science or, or We you still know, know very statistics. little about this disease, but... Yeah, well, and not only that, but you, you have to have time to, to do the statistics even to, to figure out, you know, which policy makes more sense? Because in theory, you can argue either one. You could say, uh, you know, in theory, um, and even with models, right? Because models are another thing that people use as facts, but they're not because models are completely beholden to the, you know, the initial hypothesis plus whatever control. Whatever assumptions are made. Place. Right. Assumptions and it's garbage and in, garbage out. And this is the problem with global warming science uh, or yeah, I, I yeah. climate it change. Is the same is kind of problem. You know, they hold, it's all modeling really. Uh, yep. And it's, it's largely based on, you know, they, so, so one problem is we don't actually have temperature records that go back that far. We have surrogates that we think mm -hmm. 
You know, right. so you're already making that assumption that like tree ring data and, you know, whatever ocean levels and all, you know, all these things that they measure are yeah. surrogates for global temperature, right? which in some ways is kind of circular reasoning because yeah. the, that's <laughs> yeah. like based on the theory itself that you're trying to prove with these, you know, some of them well, are, are, how, are better than others, but that's you know, how so they, almost all of geology and paleontology is actually it's, it's well, almost so, all circular reasoning so they have all this historical global temperature trend that's kind of circular and based on all these surrogates of of some of which are yeah. of pretty questionable validity um you know there's there's a book called the hockey stick illusion there's another book called uh, don't throw yeah. away your coat <laughs> you know all about those original yeah. michael yeah. mann papers from like yeah. the late 90s uh yeah. and then you know so they use all that to make this these computer models um and then the computer models supposedly predict all this stuff and it, not a single one of these predictions has ever come true. <laughs> and and right. yet we still yeah. think the, you know, well, I, I don't, I don't understand how also, you can use a model that has failed to predict anything ever. No, you know, I fully, I, mean, I fully agree with that. Was, yeah. Wasn't New York supposed to be underwater by now, according to Al Gore's <laughs> documentary? Um, you know, Al Gore was, Al Gore, he hoped, he probably hoped so, you know, uh, yeah, well, it was an inconvenient truth, you know, and I, I, I guess it was inconvenient for Al Gore that none of it came true. But you know. well, I, I don't think it's harming him at all because if you're, you know, part of the the party, you you kind of just are immediately exempted from all uh, from all your past mistakes and all of your uh, well, and this is statements and all that. This is my difficulty with all of this kind of stuff is, um, you know, with, with COVID modeling, with global warming, with mm -hmm. really all this, a lot of government intervention, uh, you know, take uh, Barack Obama's uh, bailout of the banks and all the stimulus stuff with mm, the 08 yeah. uh, crash. You know, it was, oh, we modeled all this stuff. We right. thought it was going to be really bad. So we took all this action and then shit turns out even worse based on, you know, yeah. So, so our, our recession was worse than the original right. estimates. And, and there's no excuse for that, though, because, I mean, well, at the end of the day, like. Well, what we they knew, say in, in retrospect that. is, oh, well, think how much worse it would have been if we did nothing then. <laughs> it no, isn't, actually, they, I, just, yeah. they don't conclude we fucked up and we ruined everything even more with our intervention mm -hmm. that was actually counterproductive. Instead, they well, conclude, think how much worse it would have been. We so actually need to do is, even more. This is the, exactly what I was getting at as well, is that the modeling, like you, I mean, that's a perfect explanation of it. The modeling can get you anything you want, right? I mean, anybody can make a compelling model or at least a surface, something that's compelling on the surface level, right? Anybody can make a model. It's kind of like the difference between, you know, I don't want to get off track, but it's the difference between like, a, you know, a logical argument that is valid versus a logical argument that's sound, right? Right, 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 right. Yeah. You, you can have an argument that that checks out, right? It follows all the rules of logic. The conclusion yeah, but, follows from the premises, but if but the garbage premises are garbage bullshit, in, garbage out, right? If your exactly. assumptions are crap, then then you're going to get is, a crap conclusion. And, yeah, and this is what I think happens so often with the left is they will provide a surface level compelling model with premises that are utter horseshit, right? And the problem <laughs> is, the, the issue is, right, all you ever hear is the front end. All you ever hear is, this is how it is. This is science, right? Here's exactly what's going to happen if we don't do this, right? And then once they do it, and it all turns out differently, and they were completely wrong, the reality that exists post-test, so to speak, post-analysis of the model, is covered up and ignored and essentially all anybody cares about is the model still but the thing about it is in science once you've actually done the experiment the model doesn't mean shit right because you right? have a now you have a before and after you've actually you have, done the real that's, that's where the real a, that's, that's data fact. that's uh, right. observation is is better than prediction right. right because if your prediction you know you're, you're not going to know you, that's right. You've tested the hypothesis, right in other words, and you've proved the null hypothesis. And yet exactly. you're still clinging to this hypothesis that you've disproven with your experiment. That's exactly um, right. And this is exactly what's happening you know, with global warming. It's exactly what's happening with COVID. And and I I mean, I have. I have laid my eyeballs on, you know, 
incredibly meticulously calculated statistical analyses of actual numbers that we have now that we've been through this for a year, right? We mm -hmm. have, it's, it's no longer a model. We have data. We have a year's worth of data from not just one state or not just one the district. Whole world. We have it from the entire world, right? And I had looked at paper after paper of analysis on this because it's interesting to me of actual facts and actual numbers that demonstrate that what conservatives have been saying all along is true, that if you choose to lock everyone down, you actually have more deaths per capita than you do if you let if you leave your state open. I mean, and at the, at the very that, least, at the very least, it's all equivocal. I mean, right, you, you know, right, right. You could but put in up, a lot of cases, it's less. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, Florida is the is the sec, like I said, second oldest population by state in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, California is the second youngest. California yeah. has been is one of the most probably the most locked down state there is. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, with I mean, you know, Gavin Newsom out there banning people from, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> sending his sending his tweets about how you can't go home for Thanksgiving while he's at a while he's, while he's at his friend's birthday in a restaurant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, whatever that uh, was. God. That was yeah. hilarious. What but a I mean, jackass. But, <laughs> but I mean, it's not even just anecdotal because like you you could say, I mean, I know I know you're not doing that, right? I mean, uh, yeah, true. I'm giving an, an example, yeah. but this holds true throughout. Um, it, it, yeah, it's a review it's true of all the, the data. Board. And it's and it's it's good statistical analysis, right? It's not like it's not like the statistical analysis where you cherry pick data. I'm talking all the way across the entire country, right? You don't leave any districts out. And then not only that, but the, the uh, statistical significance of the results of that analysis are so, are so high that it's not just, you know, like a coincidence. It's, it's, it's completely relevant. All of the facts fit into that narrative. It's, it, there's, there's very few outliers, right? It's not like, they're cherry picking this state is conservative, but this other conservative state did poorly. It's across yeah. the board statistical right. significance. So, well, and there, so there's a book by Tom Woods. Uh, it's a free ebook. I think he, he does these things, but it's called, uh, I hope I'm getting it right. It's called COVID charts. CNN forgot. <laughs> and it's <laughs> just, you know? it's just a collection of, and he, so he's been working on this for like a year and he's yeah. got all these, I mean, it's like, he'll put up, um, and the challenge is here's a bunch of de-identified charts from yeah. various localities. Tell yeah. me which ones, you know, what policy do you think they had, you know, try to put on the, yeah. on this chart. When did they implement their lockdown? When did they lift the lockdown? You know, you can't, you can't, it, it's totally irrelevant. It's irrelevant. If, yeah. If there was, and this is not rigorous statistics, but I mean, if it had the clear, significant giant impact that they claim, yeah, mask mandates, these lockdowns, these other kinds of pol banning indoor dining, you know, or yep. whatever, um, you know, you would think you'd be able to identify looking at these charts, which ones have done well, which ones have done poorly and and when they put in these, pol <laughs> and it's completely, they all yeah, the charts look exactly. pretty much the same with respect to their incidence curves. Well, um, but you know what, you know what, you will see a massive jump in when you have those policies in place. Yeah, yeah. Consequences of you know everything else uh, in society. Suicide, uh, for one thing. Uh, loss of uh, family cohesion, which is uh, it's interesting. People say you know it brought families together. I mean, I'm sure that is true for some people, but imagine how many families got. Are, I guess what I'm trying to say. Imagine how many families are not going to stay together because of the the burden placed on a family unit when one or both spouses can't work. Well, I mean, you know oh I mean? God, you know, losing a job is one of the, is one of the top reasons that families break apart is, is when the, you know, either the, whichever, you know, man or woman, but usually the man cannot provide an income. Yeah. That's a well, huge factor in, in uh, divorce. Well, and and even just with respect to the medical consequences, you know, when oh, we divert yeah. all of our public, and this is something I can speak a little more eloquently about because this is my field. Definitely. Um, but, you know, when we divert all of our public health resources toward this one problem to the exclusion mm -hmm. of everything else, and we 
it not just take resources away, but actively prohibit people. You know, yeah. people weren't weren't permitted to have outpatient visits. Um, yeah. You know, Scott Atlas was one of the physicians working in the Trump administration, um, mm-hmm. and he he was a neuroradiologist, but also his field was also health, like health policy and health economics. Yeah. Um, you know, he he talks a lot about this stuff too. So uh, there was a study. Um, I can't remember the authors, but there was a study that uh, showed that around 78% of cancers over a three-month period at the beginning of the lockdowns were, went undetected oh, um, because people can't so get terrible. in to get their, their, their screening colonoscopies, their uh, prostate yeah. exams, you know, whatever. So breast, um, you know, mammograms, um, you yeah. know, and so that's, I mean, that's, that's a million cases probably or more over, over the last year. Uh, of cancers that went undiagnosed and, and, you know, you're not going to see those deaths in the death tally of 2020 because those people are going to get treated eventually. They're going to get, you know, but, but now you're starting treatment at stage three or stage four instead of stage one or stage two, you know, so this, what might've been a small tumor that you cut out and they're done. And, you know, now they live a, a long, healthy life. Now you're talking about an advanced, you know, metastatic cancer. And now maybe their prognosis is like three or four years instead of 20 or 30. And so you've yeah. lost 25 years of life or something, you know, I'm just making up numbers here, but you know, they're no, not, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, it makes so, sense. you know, but that's not going to show up this year. It's going to be four years from now when that guy dies, but by all rights should have lived 20 or right. 30 more years, you know? Um, it's like Chernobyl, you know, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, well, and there's, like, there's no, been no, no, a f- no, only a few people died, but then, you know, 10 years down the road, 50% of them are all gone. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, and the CDC has numbers on this too. Depression is up about 400%. Anxiety is about uh, up about 300%. Um, Suicidal thoughts have doubled. Um, You know, there's a huge number of increase of drug overdoses. Um, You know, there's more than uh, I think 320 something percent increase in teenagers going to the doctor for self-harming behaviors. Yeah. Um, you know, there's domestic abuse, child abuse are way up. Oh, um, yeah. you know, I, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, I'm seeing even, even to get more specific, there's a particular kind of dental emergency, uh, hmm. called Ludwig's angina, which is like a necrotizing infection on the floor of the mouth that is, it's oh. an emergency. It's life threatening. It can compromise your airway. You have to go to the OR for it. Yeah. Um, and that, it that's up too. I've seen way more cases of that this year than I've, I had never seen it before. Do you think uh, dentists catch that a lot of times? Well, if you can't go to the dentist and get your regular cleanings and get your nasty teeth extracted, if you've got like, you know, dental oh, okay. cavities and infected teeth and stuff that sat there for a year while people right. couldn't get in to see, cause all the dentists were closed cause they were all terrified of being in somebody's face you know, man, you know, I've so, been suffering from that personally too, man. I, I haven't seen a dentist in like a year now, a year and a half. Uh, you know, yeah, uh, and they uh, won't. It, it's crazy because they, at least for the the army medical, uh, they won't see you unless you have a cavity or like unless you have an actual like, met you know medical emergency in your mouth. <laughs> like, right. if you're just trying right. to go in and prevent that from happening, you can't. Well, and that's and, what and, I would prefer to do. I would prefer to prevent myself from having to get a tooth drilled. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I know. Can. I don't want it to turn into an emergency. So, you right. know, I'm doing the best I can at home. But, I, you know, I'm seeing people in the ER now uh, coming in with these like fulminant infections of their, of their oh. uh, you know, and, and it's, it's in large part because they were unable to get dental care. Right. Um, you know, and, and we can go even, even, you know, so that's like a one specific little disease that I'm seeing a lot more. There's a lot of these examples right? and, and probably the, the, to go outside of the field of medicine, probably the absolute single biggest tragedy of all of this. And the, the, the worst travesty here is globally, the UN estimates now there's more than 150 million people on the brink of starvation, just as a consequence of global economic lockdowns. Um, that's, Man. that is half of the U S population. I mean, if you imagine yeah. driving down from Maine to Florida and yeah. every state you go through, every single person in that state is about to starve to death, every, you know, throughout the entire East coast of the U S and I, and I heard, 
I not only did I hear that this would happen if we locked down before we locked down, at least before we locked down for a long time, right? Yeah. I, I heard that. I mean, I heard people, conservatives especially, saying, you know, if we do this, millions and millions of people across the world will starve. Yeah. But yeah. I heard I, I not only heard that, but I heard partway through the lockdowns, it's already happening. You know, people are already starting to starve because of this. This was and, not and and part of the problem is the the and the left is are the ones who are guilty of this because mm-hmm. their supporters and their rhetoric all um it, they all view the economy like it's Wall Street and stock charts yeah, yeah, and yeah. like rich people, you know, right. manipulating stuff and getting wealthy off of the, no, the economy is just the sum total of our productivity. It's human action. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, and, and when the, you know, like the economy suffering doesn't just mean that the Wall Street execs are losing money. Well, and Those are the guys who are the best position to survive this. They have a lot of money in yeah. the bank. They're going to, they're going to be fine. Well, it's a lot of it's those the minimum wage earner. Richer. They got much richer because of the lockdowns. Yeah. The only, yeah, this is the wonder, thing. You know, who is really, who's really driving this train, you know? Right. The people who suffer in a, in an economic downturn are not the rich. That's this right. like huge misconception among the left. Yes, their bank accounts drop a little bit, but they're the ones who can afford not only to survive an economic downturn, but they're not selling, they're buying. They're buying right. all the shit that yep. everyone else has to liquidate to be able mm-hmm. to survive. So all these small business owners who can't survive, they have to sell everything they have in their business and then some giant yep. corporation buys that at dirt cheap, you know, basement prices because we're in the middle of a lockdown. That's in a couple exactly of years, right. that shit's going to be worth way more. This was just a huge transfer of wealth from everybody yep. else to the richest people in the world. And right, it just so is, happens that all those richest people in the world are also the ones who make the fucking laws and decide that we're going to be yeah. locked down. Yeah. And, and, and that's in return, they give us this pittance of a stimulus check. <laughs> yeah. And the sad part is, man, it's, it's it's this total like intersectionality lie that pits it's it's, it's essentially the left thrives they feed off of conflict they feed off of uh, pitting groups of people against each other well you know it's because the left pretends that they were the we are the 99% uh, mm-hmm. But the people who run the left, the guys the who are 1%. in office yeah. are the 1%. And when they oh, yeah. see everybody else banding together as the 99%, they came up with a great plan, which was, no, you're not. You're the 13% and the 7% and yep. the 14%. And you guys can all fight each other now while we exactly. can be the 1% and robbing you all blind. Yeah, that's no, that's exactly right, man. It's It's just sad because... I don't, I just, it's baffling sometimes how people don't see that, you know, how they don't recognize what's happening. Well, it's intentionally divisive and, and distracting. And that's really the whole point. Right. Um, you know, anyway, I, th- I think we got to wrap it up here for today, but, uh, you know, look out for another episode uh, next week. Uh, thanks, Jesse.